Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma, and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. Now, Wayne uh, came in my office this morning and shared with me uh, kind of that story that he told you where he was going to read Jeremiah chapter 31. And uh, I think his comment was something like, you know, that it's, he just loves it when the Lord brings all the little details together, you know, in his, in his heart. And I, I couldn't agree more about the, uh, the way that the way the Lord works to, uh, to bring all things together. I pray that you, uh, as you, as you come to our service and as you worship with us, I, I pray that the Lord bring all of the elements together into our minds and hearts, that we might hear what, that we might hear what Christ has to say to us, not only, you know, through his word, because his word is evident throughout everything, you know, from from the song that we started with that spoke of salvation and restoration and healing to, to the, one of the hymns that, that said that life is worth the living just because he lives. You know, there's a lot of people that don't really believe that. That when, when things aren't going the way that we want, sometimes we think this life ain't all that great. It was profound to me. And then just uh, and then just Roberta's song, there's power in your name. There's power in your name. You know, the uh, in your in your bulletin today you'll find a, a little pamphlet uh, and an envelope, but the pamphlet's the most important part. Uh, that this is the 2022 week of prayer for North American missions. I don't, I don't know if you guys, you know, I used to see these all the time, and frankly, they just kind of went straight in the trash. I might write a check and put it in the envelope, but it seems like I didn't really have time to do any reading, right? Uh, you know, this, this, uh, this one, you know, caught my eye, and, uh, and as I read each one of these missionaries' stories uh, this weekend, um, you know, they have, just have a little testimony about them. And yes, it is, uh, you know, if you, if you read the fine print up at the very top in little bitty letters, it says Easter offering, right? But the rest of this is a prayer guide of how to pray for North American Mission Board missionaries. And there's, you know, the folks from Puerto Rico, for, folks from Denver, from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, Washington, D.C. And, you know, in every one of their testimonies, there's not a thing about pray that God meets my needs through this offering. <laughs> it's pray that the gospel might go forth powerfully. Pray that people's lives would be changed. There's folks in here who deal with homeless ministries who try to meet the need there. And you know what? They, they pray that the power of God might be evidenced in their life. And I just encourage you to uh, take this thing. Don't throw it away. Take this thing home with you. Pray this week for these missionaries. Allow that to lead you for the Holy Spirit to speak to you about 
who all we might pray for. You know, Brother Bill Robinette, last Sunday night, a lot of you don't come on Sunday nights, but you're missing a blessing oftentimes, not from me, but from somebody else. Last Sunday night, Bill Robinette shared a story about something that they talked about in their Sunday school classroom out of the book of Daniel. Right, and brother, I, I can't tell you how many times I've thought about this this week, but the prophet Daniel recalls a time when he is praying. And he has a vision. He sees Gabriel. <laughs> Gabriel's one of two angels in the Bible that's got a name, right? So he's a big-time dude. Angel. I don't mean any sac- I don't mean anything disrespectful. Please understand. And he said, as soon as you started praying, I was sent with an answer. And you know what? If, if we can get a hold of that, that kind of changed the way we view prayer. Um, cause us perhaps to pray a little more faithfully. Pray, call, pray, cause us to pray a little more full of faithly, <laughs> right? When we, when we know that that's the way it is. It's not a haphazard thing. There is power in prayer. There is power in the name of Jesus. You know, the, in John chapter 10, Verse 10, Jesus, Jesus says this, And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. Now, that, that, that to me is a pretty peaceful scene. Right? If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Abundant life. You know, I want to I preach to you this morning a little bit about... Uh, and, and I don't know how, this is probably going to be a multi-week sermon, not out of the same passage probably. But, you know, I, God intends, it is His plan for us to live an abundant life. I mean, He tells us that in John chapter 10. Now, and, 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 and I know I can get some amens, right, by saying that. But I also know that we got problems. Amen? You know, not all of us, not at the same time maybe, but probably all of us at some time. And it seems like some of us all the time. You know, Jesus knows and Scripture reiterates that Christians while on this earth are going to go through some tough times. Sin has and is spoiling the created order of God that God called good in the book of Genesis. There's heartache. There's disease. There's those that we have in our midst or that we read about or that we know or that we are, right, that's suffering stuff in our bodies that we'd rather not have to deal with. Many have experienced 
loss, profound loss that changes lives forever. There are disappointments brought on by unmet expectations. You know, as, as I was just thinking about all of these things, you know, I, I think about the, the folks in Ukraine that, that uh, you know, that are fearful of their, their lives, but, and yet the churches and the pastors and the Christians using it as an opportunity to glorify God and trust in God. Because, see, I mean, again, this could be a really, really short sermon. The, the key, right, is trust in God. There is power in the name of Jesus. And, but, but yet we, we all go through issues. You know, I, I think about, you know, we had state, state playoff game or, or area playoff games last night, you know, and there were a couple of teams I was rooting for, right? I was rooting for the Tuttle boys to go to state. I was rooting for the Ampo boys to go to state where Caden Kennedy is a coach and they both lost. And you know what, as, is that a life-changing thing for me? No. But I promise you there were shares, there were tears shed on both those ball courts last night. There were. You know, I've, I've talked to 13-year-olds who's, who's had a girlfriend break up with them. And guess what? It's the end of the world to them. Talk to men who's lost their wives of 50 years. Guess what? It's the end of the world to them. Talk to people that are suffering physical sickness. Heard it said to me, I mean, all of this comes out of my experiences this week. I'm sorry. If I use you in his object lesson, then you'll just have to forgive me. <laughs> Spoke with folks this week who, who said, I, I just don't know how to go on. I don't know how to get over this. Spoke with someone this week that said, if I can't do anything, then I'm ready to go to heaven. And you know what? We understand those sentiments, don't we? And you know, I don't care if it's the loss of a ball game or if it's the 13-year-old loss of what they think is true love or the, or the loss of a 50-year-old spouse that you know is true love, right? It's all real loss. It's all real pain. It's all real pain. And, and I on a couple of occasions this week, have said, just like I told you as I started this sermon, that regardless of the pain, this preach is hard. <laughs> God intends for us to be able to live fulfilling, joy-filled lives. No matter what. No matter what. And, you know, as I, as, I, as I told a person that that was experiencing pain, 
I got to tell you, it, it rings hollow in my ears to hear myself say that. It felt to me, and is true, uh, probably, sure it felt to them, that I, I had no right to say that because I don't truly understand their situation. And I, and I don't. But, but again, I go back to, to say that every situation, every situation, God knows. Every situation, the name of Jesus is powerful enough to withhold you inside. You know, several weeks ago, I was reading the Bible and I... I was reading in 1 Peter chapter 3, where, where Peter gives all believers, right, a general exhortation that is designed to open us up to a life of blessing God desires for us to enjoy. We're going to look at it in a minute, and it's in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. I want to give a little bit of background on this, uh, on this passage of Scripture. Peter, Peter's writing um, this, uh, this book, this letter, um, probably soon after uh, the city of Rome has been burned to the ground. Most uh, historians believe that Nero, the emperor, had the city burned to the ground so that he could rebuild it bigger and better. And, of course, you know, cities burned to the ground. People are homeless. People's lives have been destroyed. People are, are dead. And people were mad. And Nero, it is thought, decided to blame the Christians for burning the city down. And that was a pretty easy thing to believe because the, the Christians already had an allegiance to Jesus and not the Roman government. They already trusted in, in God, the one true God, instead of a bunch of Roman gods. So they were easy to blame. And it began a persecution for Christians like what had not been seen before. Christians were losing their homes, they were being killed, they were being hunted down, they were being persecuted, and they began to flee. And they were dispersed to other areas of the country, hundreds of miles away from Rome. And the first Peter, in the opening verses, Peter says, I write this letter to the saints. The pilgrims, which is a foreigner, which is an alien of the dispersion. Those that are scattered, and he names the places that I don't know where they're at. They were hundreds of miles away from Rome. He said, I, I write this letter to you guys. Most of them were Gentiles. In 1 Peter chapter 1, he reminded, he reminded these people. Now, keep in mind, th these, these, are not, these are not Martys, where everything's going good, relatively healthy. 
No real problems in life. These are people going through distress. These are people that are being killed, whose homes destroyed, probably children killed. I mean, there's just there's, there are all kinds of stuff. And you can imagine the variety of persecution that might have been experienced, right? Everything from my girlfriend got left behind from the 13-year-old, right? To I don't have my wife anymore. Or I've received this mortal wound and I'm going to die. Can you relate that to still the current, the issues that we we face today that you know people that are facing today? That's who Peter's writing to. All the varied problems. All the varied um, persecutions. 1 Peter chapter 1, he reminded them first and foremost that there was hope in Christ. He says, you, because of your salvation that is in Christ, there is hope. Right? Same thing that we talked about, you know, when we were singing. Right? There's power in your name. That God is a God of salvation for sinners, of restoration, of healing for the nations. Peter tells them, because you are saved, there is hope. So there's my first invitation. If you lack hope. Come to Christ. In chapter 2, he says this. He says, therefore, therefore, because you are saved, because you have hope. He says, therefore, lay aside all malice. Can you imagine? Lay aside all malice. All deceit, all hypocrisy and evil speaking. Lay aside evil speaking. Now, I can't even imagine what I'd be saying about Nero, the Roman government, the people that were persecuted. I mean, who knows what all was going on, right? But my attitude probably would not be able to hear, Marty, lay aside that stuff. Lay aside those attitudes. That's what Paul says. Lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. See, the, the hope and the reality is really found in the word of God. You know, I remember years ago, Brother Fred King, our, who was our pastor here, Speaking to me about uh, when, he, when he lost his first wife back in like 1999 or whenever it was, a long, long time ago. And he talked about a spiral that, that he kind of started down, right? And, and, I, and I get that. We see that in people's lives, right? But he said that, you know, that, but God did such a work in his life that the spiral started up, Amen. You know, that's what we're talking about. That's, that's what Peter is, is writing about. As new desire the pure milk of the word. See, the milk of the word is what's going to turn our attitudes around. Now, we still are going to experience the situations. Do you understand? Because we live in a fallen world. But we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. Right? We have, 
we have hope. Brings us to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 8. And he says this. He says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. And then he begins verse 10, and verse 10 is a quote from Psalm chapter 34. And it says, for he who would love life and see good days. See, that's, that's what everybody wants, right? That's what we want. Love life, see good days. For he would love life and see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the lies of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, the majority of that passage is quoting Psalm chapter 34. You know, whenever I, whenever I see anything about chapter 34, I think about my dad. Uh, some of you knew my dad, but uh, my dad loved to study the Bible, loved to read the Bible. And, uh, and inside the cover of one of his Bibles, when, when he died, I found written something that said this. It said, read over and over Psalm 1, Psalm 34, Psalm 91, Psalm 145, Psalm 146. They will help. He has it underlined. Right? Pretty simple. So, of course, I want to read to you this morning Psalm 34. As we, we're going to come back to the first part of, chapter, of Peter, 1 Peter 3, verses, verses uh, 3 through 8, because I want to talk about uh, that, but I want to do it against the backdrop of Psalm 34. Psalm 34 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not of shame. The, the poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. That's got to be one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves good days? And, and loves, excuse me, and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil 
to cut off the remembrance of them for the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. You know, as we... So many good things in that verse about the faithfulness of God, about his deliverance, about all of those things that that people need to experience, that we need to hear and to know and to remember. It's no wonder that Peter reflected back to it, right? In writing to these people that were undergoing all of these problems. I want to go back now to First People, First Peter chapter three, verse eight. And at first he says, "All of you, all of you." We already know that he's talking to believers, right? Church, he's talking to us, right? He's talking to us. He's talking to our church. He's talking to the church. And by the way, you can be a part of the church, but you need to play a part of a church. He's writing this to churches. This is being read to believers in in groups to hear the Word of God, to, to lift one another up, to be there for each other. He says, all of you. Be of one mind. Be of one mind. It's the only time, believe it or not, it's the only time in Scripture that the word that is translated, be of one mind, is used. Now, now Scripture a lot of times is, is, is talking about, uh, you know, the uh, be of one mind, unity, and that kind of stuff. But this, this is the only time that it's used. And it, and it really means, you know, the, the uh, uh, New American Standard, I think, translate, or the NIV translate it, live in harmony, be in harmony, live harmoniously. Right? Now, be of one mind. So it's not talking about everybody's got to believe the same way or think the same way. Right? It is... It is, it's diversity, right? I mean, let's face it. I probably can't find any two of you that agree on anything. I agree on much of anything. In general, generally we agree that the Bible is the word of God, that Jesus is the way of salvation. We agree on lots and lots of stuff, right? But we're not all just alike. It's not uniformity. It's not being all the same. You know, I, as I think about that, live harmoniously. I, I recalled several weeks ago when Brenda was kind of giving a testimony from the, from the piano, and she talked about harmony, right? And when people, when, when Wayne and, and folks get up here and they sing in harmony, if you had them mic'd separately, they wouldn't any of them sound alike. But together... They are harmony. 
That's the reason, folks, that you need the church. It's the reason why the church is the vehicle of God for, for blessing His people, for changing the world, for sharing His gospel. Because even though we may all be different, God uses us when we are living in harmony like we should to make a difference in the world. Next thing he says in that passage, put that verse back up there, guys. Uh, eight. He says, have compassion for one another. It's the word uh, the NIV translates it and many others translate it. Be sympathetic. As I was trying to read that, uh, one of the things that I read said, have a fellow feeling. Fellow-feeling. Have a fellow feeling. In, engage. Suffer with another. One, one of the things I read said, be mutually commiserative. Be miserable together. I don't know how else to say that. There's also a rejoicing together. We are called to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. He says, have compassion for one another. Suffer with one another. Experience, have a feeling for and with the needs of others. Next thing he says is, love as brothers. Love as brothers. The word that's used for love as brothers there is, is one word. Right? It is uh, Philadelphios. I found it interesting that it was not agape. You guys have probably heard agape love preached on. Agape love is the self-sacrificing God kind of love, God's definition of love. But that's not the word that Peter used here. He used the word for brotherly love, love as brothers. What's required to live love as brothers? You know what it is? It's relation. It's relationship to love as brothers. I have three brothers. I'd do anything for my brothers. Peter says, you guys, and, and remember, he's, not, he's talking to people that are going through stuff. He says, love as, love as brothers. I told you last night, one of my definitions of love is love as action, right? Service to others, whatever it might take whatever it might be. This week, I saw it manifest, and I'm going to pick on somebody a little bit. I saw it manifest in our church. I got a call, I got a text, excuse me, on Friday morning from a man named Jake Garrett. Some of you remember Jake. He used to be a part of our church. His mom and dad, Jim and Sarah, are a part of our church, sat right back there. And uh, Jim's part of our Tuesday morning uh, prayer and men's Bible study group, faithful, comes, comes all the time. Was there Tuesday? I got a text from Jake Garrett and said, Hey, I just wanted to know if you knew that my dad was in the hospital. And I did not. I did not know that. I did not know that, uh, that Jim was, uh, was in the hospital. So I told Jake, thanks for letting me know. I mean, he gave me a little bit of an idea of what was wrong with Jim and and uh, sounded pretty serious to me, so I like hung up the phone and went and got in my car and drove to the hospital. 
On my way driving to the hospital, I sent a text out to our men's group, our men's Tuesday morning Bible study group. And I said, hey, I just got a word from, from uh, that Jim Garrett is in the hospital. Has been since Tuesday, three days. He was in the hospital before we found out. So, of course, you know, we get lots of responses back, right? We're praying and all that kind of stuff. I sent one to the deacon group as well. And, you know, we're praying and lifting Jim up and all, all that kind of stuff. When I got to the hospital, the first thing I did was kind of get on to Jim and Sarah. You guys got to tell us what's going on. But you know what? Jake's a part of the church, too. Jake let me know what's going on. And we were able to get folks started praying for Jim. You know, not that Jim has a relationship with Almighty God himself. You know what I mean? And God is good. But the point of my story is, is as we love as brothers, I, I don't know how many texts I got over the next two days. The latest last night. How's Jim doing? What's the story with Jim? How's Jim doing? How's Jim doing? These 10 men or 12 or however many men I texted that thing from, they kept wanting to know what's going on with Jim. Well, you know what? Praying for a brother, that's brotherly love. That's loving his brothers. Them being concerned and showing loving brothers. And church, it's part of the reason why we need to know what's going on with you. So that your brothers and sisters in Christ who make a difference, the church that makes a difference can, can pray and lift you up and be there for you. That we might be able to show compassion, that we might be able to, to do those things. And you know when, I mean Jim's a quiet guy and he's a, you know I mean, it's not like him to make a big deal out of anything himself. I was sharing this with somebody this morning, and they said, well, that's the way all of us are. Well, we got to get over that, right? Because we're going to live in the body of Christ. We're going to share life together. That's what it means to be the church. That's how church is supposed to work. That's how Jesus designed it to work. He also says, we go on in that verse, says, be tender-hearted. King J- the King James Version says, be pitiful. I assume that's probably pronounced pitiful, right? But it's to, it's to have, it's to be kind-hearted, right? It's to be so affected by the pain of others that it's deeply felt. It's not a, well, that's too bad, Right? It is that prayer that keeps praying, and it's that prayer that keeps wanting to know, have we, have we seen God act yet? <laughs> Prayers of faith. Be tenderhearted. Next thing it says, be courteous. It's not a great translation. Be courteous. Most texts read, be humble of spirit. It's one word in the Greek. Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2 when he says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. There's that word, 
Let each, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Jesus demonstrated this quality when he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, it's to be humble in spirit is to un- understand the pain that even that 13-year-old that's had the girl break up with him, right, is compassionate about. Well, Peter's given us a godly approach that he says leads to loving life and seeing good. And uh, this approach incorporates not only the right actions motivated by the right attitudes, right, that that we've been talking about, but it also includes another thing. It includes a proper reaction when when we're mistreated. In verse 9, he says this, and not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. We're called not to, not to, not to revile, not to, not to display evil for evil. One of the things that I, that I read this week about this passage of Scripture said in, 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 our, human, in our human life, when somebody mistreats us or does evil to us, you know, we can respond as, as our enemy, evil for evil. We can respond as humans, nothing for evil. Or we can respond as God would have us to respond. Good for evil. Blessing means to speak well of another. How how can we how can we do that when when we are mistreated or somebody that we love is mistreated? And you know what? And when I think about that, it's like you know somebody doesn't really have to mistreat me for me to feel mistreated. I can feel mistreated when you've done nothing to me. Right? So when I feel that, or when we feel that, what what do we do? We know from Scripture that we're to love unconditionally. We know from Scripture that we are... That we are to forgive. We know from Scripture that we are to thank God in the midst of whatever it may be. We know from Scripture that we are to pray for people. All of those things. We are to return blessing. That we might inherit a blessing. There is nothing you know, we, we have received divine, unmerited favor, forgiveness from our sin. Heaven. There is really nothing that can do us in. You know, when I was talking to one of the people that kind of affected me this week with all of this, you know, the comment was made, and I may have already said it, I don't remember, that, that if, I can't, if I can't do something, if I have to do nothing, then I'm ready to go to heaven. Well, guess what? 
I told you, it's kind of harsh. You're, you're not in charge of that. God's in charge of that. God's in charge of when you go to heaven. And guess what? You may need to seek and find joy while doing nothing. If that's what God's plan for you is. And that sounded terrible. But you know what's the truth? And I believe that's what I believe that that's what this passage is is teaching, right? Peter goes on to quote Psalm 34 that we've that we've already talked about. We talked about having a God who hears and delivers, and angels has angels encamped around us, and in whose people there is no want, there is no lack, right? And then and then Peter says some, here's some stuff, right? Here's some key thoughts for the person who would love life and have good days. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Watch what we say. His lips from speaking deceit be people of truth. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Turn from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, as I, as I was thinking about this sermon, I thought, it's a, it's a pretty easy sermon for you to hear, isn't it? God is always there. Act in love. Act in compassion. Act in humility. Treat others as brothers, love with a brotherly love. And you know what? I mean, I've heard those things all my life, and those things are pretty easy for me to hear and to agree with. But you know what? You you may be here this morning, and you're one that has been mistreated. You're one that's going through those things. You're the one that has experienced the loss. You're the one who who had the girlfriend break up with you. You're the one, whatever the issue is, I think our tendency is to hear a message like this and say, yes, that's what I need. I need people to have compassion. I need people to be kind-hearted. I need people to be tender-hearted. I need people to love me like a brother. I need people to... But you know what? It's to all of you. And while it is as hard for me to preach as it is for you to hear... The way, the way to love life and experience blessing is still by doing the same things. You see, we gotta we gotta get out of ourselves and we gotta start living as part of the church. We've got to start being obedient to the Holy Spirit that is within us, ministering to others. Even when it's us that is hurt. That's not so easy to hear, is it? But you know what? It's what God laid on my heart to preach today. Because all of us at some point in time are going to be the hurting. We're going to be sick. We're going to have a bad report about health. We're going to experience loss. We're something. Right? And instead of spiraling down, which 
by the way, is natural, and, and I don't condemn that. I understand, you can't, people experience stuff that goes wrong in their lives in lots of different ways, but the answer is still found in the Holy Spirit of God, in the Word of God, and in Christ Jesus. And it's administered many times through the church, through you, through me. We can make a difference. No matter the pain that you're going through, you can make a difference. And in that is blessing and hope. I don't get it, but it's true. You know, as, as, we, uh, as we finish up today, I'm going to ask Wayne and Brenda to come and to lead us in, uh, in a word of prayer. Or, excuse me, lead us in a, in a hymn of invitation. And, and I thought about, you know, as I was kind of setting up here before the service start, what, what is it, how will this, how do, how is it that it's possible that the Spirit of God might speak to people? And there's many ways. First is the hope of salvation that we have in Christ. Come to Jesus. Second is restoration and repentance. Come back to Jesus. Third, engage as the people of God. Church, be the church. Let's make a difference in folks' lives. Right? And know, if, if you're going through whatever it may be, know that there is hope and blessing and joy in Christ. No matter what. Search and seek, Scripture says. Seek me and you will find me. You guys stand as, uh, as Wayne sings a hymn of invitation. You know, this altar is always open. If you have a decision to make, if you need Christ, if you need to join this church, if you sense God calling you to join this church, that's what this time is for. Amen? Amen. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, we invite you to send us an email at prayforyou@att.net. That's P-R-A-Y, the number four, Y-O-U at att.net. Or call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you, and we hope you have a blessed week.